trouble now I thought, how do we ever get so far down And how's it ever gonna turn around So I turned my eyes to heaven I thought, God, why don't you do something Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of People living in poverty Children sold into slavery The thought disgusted me So I shook my fist at heaven I said, God, why don't you do something? He said, I did yeah. I created you <laughs> All right, welcome to the People at Your Service podcast known as PAYS or P-A-Y-S where we are honored to introduce to you the audience and awesome person service I'm your host, Steve King, and founded our company, People at Your Service, in 2016, 54 years old, and I've been blessed over those years to meet incredible people of service and excited to share uh, them with our audience each episode. And, and so each episode, we're joined uh, live and in person, uh, generally at the global headquarters, uh, Don, you'll like that, global headquarters of People at Your Service in Norwood, Ohio. We we are now going virtual for from a global standpoint. We'll get into that in a second. Um uh, but generally, we are at our podcast studio known as Grandma's Comfy Couch Studio in honor of my saint of a mother-in-law, Peg Ainge. And uh, Don and my life, Grandma's, have been incredible people of service. And uh, so we, we we generally have kind of met on the couch, just to channel that inner, uh, inner spirit of service, uh, both Peg as Grandma to my kids and, and my mom as Grandma to my kids and certainly my grandmother's. And uh, so uh, we're going to channel that here on our first ever Zoom podcast. So, so Don, thanks for ushering in a new season for us. Yes, you're so welcome. I'm going to offer this one up for my grandma, Grandma Loretta and Grandma Florence. We call her Flo. So awesome. uh, let's make it special for them. Yeah, well, thank you for that. I appreciate that, and and this is a a, a new genre for us, and and we'll uh, we'll kind of see how we evolve. But thanks for offering that up. I appreciate their spirit here as well. And so uh, today on the couch, we've got a, a good friend of mine, Don Frericks, and um, the virtual couch, I guess I'll call it, uh, Don Frericks, and and um, Don. We'll get into introductions here in just a second. As we, you and I were talking about, kind of off air, you know, we do six segments. We'll do an intro. We'll do a person of service getting to know you. Uh, we'll go a little deeper. Uh, we'll do you in 2022 as we kind of round third and head for home in 2022. We'll we'll roll the dice. They're going to be virtual dice today, and then we'll do our podcast goodbye. So are you, you ready to rock? Ready to go. All right, brother. Well, look, I'm going to yield the microphone to you, let you introduce yourself to our audience. Thank you. I don't know if your other guests feel this way, but this is always the hardest segment for me. I just, I don't like talking about myself much. So hopefully I can give you a little bit of background that's useful. I think what's most useful, I've been married to my beautiful wife, Kathleen, for 37 years. And uh, God willing, we have four beautiful children uh, and three daughters and a son, and they're all adult children. So 25 to, to 35. And I thought parenting was going to be over once they, you know, hit 20, 21, 22. And then I realized, oh my goodness, I'm completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. It's only so, just begun. <laughs> right. I mean, isn't it so true? You know, parents that have adult children, you think like we all have the same song and dance, which is like, wow, we love being with them. And it's really hard. 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. Amen to that. Well, we were just talking about grandkids and things off air. So yes, all sorts of things that happen with that. It's so beautiful. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a personal leadership executive coach and I work with companies to help improve leadership effectiveness. And the reason I do that is because I have this deep, deep passion, Steve, to change the world one leader at a time. I, I have worked for incredible bosses and I work for some really poor bosses uh, within six months of each other at mm -hmm. uh, three different big organizations here in Cincinnati. And it's amazing to me the impact that a great boss has. And it's amazing to me the impact that a really poor boss has. And so <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying either, to either help organizations improve overall leadership effectiveness so people feel good that the suffering that comes from a bad boss isn't there. And I'm um, really inspired to do that. I wake up every day not thinking it's a job because it's a purpose. Yeah, no, that's great. And you do a great job of that. You're an author as well, right? Tell us a little bit about that. That's right. At the beginning of uh, the pandemic, I don't know if that's a good idea or not, but I uh, published a book called Best Boss Ever. The intention was to give people a roadmap, roadmap to follow to be able to figure out how do I do my own leadership development? If you've never had significant development in your life as a leader, you realize that waiting for your company to create it probably is not a good idea, that you may have to take control yourself and figure out how can you develop your leadership skills. So I wrote the book as a little primer to be able to help people figure out how to do that or if they wanted to do it at their company. And uh, it's been a really good uh, kind of leave behind marketing tool for me, Steve. I'm not trying to be a New York Times bestseller with it, though. <laughs> well, but it's 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 nice to have that documented. How? T tell me, I, I'm I'm always um, I don't know if fascinated is the right word, but I just am I'm always just and I, I think to write a book. A lot of us, I think, feel like we have a book in us. You know, myself included. I somewhere along the way, I'd like to do that. I keep speaking that and hoping that it becomes true. But I think talking about it and doing it are two different things. How long did you feel like you had a book in you before you actually kind of pulled the trigger and did it? Good question. I think you're right. The, the old saying, we all have a book within us is right. And then it's, for me, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I don't say that frivolously. It was really difficult. Uh, I had a coach who said, Don, if you want to write, write a book, you have to spend 30 minutes a day writing. And I said, I think I can do that. And for how long? Six months, 30 minutes a day, you'll have a book. I said, okay. So I wrote for six months, 30 minutes a day. And guess what I ended up with? 20,000 words that looked like mumbo jumbo that wasn't organized. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. I spent the next year and a half rewriting it and trying to organize it and trying to figure out what the heck I came up with for six months. <laughs> it was so painful. Wow. The editing process, the organizing process. If, if you were smart, you would create a really good detailed outline and then write to the detailed outline. But someone didn't coach me on that part of it. That's funny. They just said, right, 30 minutes a day, just write, and it'll all be there here. So, <laughs> well, I appreciate it. when that time comes and I have been praying about and, and just discerning on that, but when that time comes, I'm going to come to you and, and many other friends that have gone down this path. So I can try to learn. I, I'm a, I'm a steal shamelessly guy. I would love to steal <laughs> from you, your learnings and your experience here for sure. So well, you're a good storyteller, Steve. So that's really what it's about. If you can tell stories, well, you can write a book. Yeah, well, I, I, it would be fun, and 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 yours is a good one, and and so let's talk a little bit about, um, uh, just you know, Don, I, and we've known each other now for quite some time, you know, kind of back in our youth athletics days, back uh, when the kids were younger, and we were heavily involved in our respective parishes. You with Saint Susanna, me with Saint Margaret of York, and we first kind of crossed paths, and we've just intersected business and athletics for for many many years since that time, which has been awfully fun. Um, 
and we both have had this heart for kind of athletics as a ministry and how that all can kind of happen. And um, you are now uh, doing something, I think, within the Catholic Church, which I think is really interesting. Um, and we'll get into that maybe in a little bit. But you've just been this person of service uh, that I've known just for all the years that I've known you. Uh, where does that come from for you, this heart of, of servanthood, if you will? Uh, it's very clearly from my parents. Um, I'm the oldest of six children named after my father. And uh, dad was a Marianist. He was at the University of Dayton for 25 years. And he just was one of those guys that always did something in the evenings to help the, our local parish or help out other people. He's always busy that way. And I think it was role modeled to us that uh, you're not as important as other people are. Uh, be humble, uh, give as much as you can, uh, give until it hurts. And I remember dad saying one time that, you know, you should do that, whatever that was, something that he was trying to persuade me because you don't want to do it. I thought that's ridiculous. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't, I, I just said, I don't want to do that. He said, that's exactly the reason you need to do it. I said, that's, in, that's insane. It doesn't make any sense to me, <laughs> but that's how far he, he felt like we should take it. And I think dad was right from that perspective. Mm. You know, that's great. I, I love that. It's funny. I, I, uh, we do a, a, we try to do a weekly newsletter and we had one that just went out and was talking about our podcast and one of the guests that were there and, and it, it prompted one of the readers to ping me, uh, after reading it and said, Hey, I'm trying to get my 14 year old son to do service, uh, and to, to be engaged in service. And, and so I, I wrote back to him and gave some advice. What, what advice would you give? Where, where, you know, cause I, I love what you just said about your dad, you know, for, for you, what advice would you give this, um, uh, reader, uh, about getting his 14 year old son involved in service here? Interesting. Yes. Yeah, no, 14 is a tough age. I've been trying to put myself in the shoes of that parent because uh, they're beginning to not listen to you very much at that point. So I would think that maybe one good option would be do something with them, find a, a service opportunity that you can do together yeah. uh, and don't make it something that they have to do on their own. Yeah, I love it. Uh, well, thank you. That, that's one of the things I said, Don. So thanks for the affirmation on that. <laughs> I appreciate it. I was kind of checking with the, the, the teacher if I had the right answer on that one here. You know, but, but talk a little bit about your dad or just your family experience, because I, I think what your dad did uh, was, was clearly model it, right? I mean, I think you as a kid were watching your dad and you said, Man, my dad's, you know, sometimes gone in the evenings and, and doing things, giving back. He could have been he could have been doing a lot of things, right? He chose to give of his time and his talent that way to give back to the parish. Um, how, how did that impact you? And, and maybe that takes us into one of the key things that you're involved with uh, now. So, Humility is something that's easy to talk about, but hard to do as, as we both know. And um, I think there's an element where if you're truly humble and do put others ahead of yourself, and you do it in a leadership or orientation, I think that becomes servant leadership and, or at least the foundation of it. So for me, Steve, it's always been fascinating to see the intersection between humility, ego, and leadership. And there has to be some ego to be an effective leader, as you know. And I think that great leaders really get that intersection. They understand where that exists and they know how to work with their own skills and abilities and personality in a unique way to bring value to others uh, in their organizations and their families and in their churches. How do you, I, I, I love that. 
uh, Don, and you coach a lot of leaders. You coach a lot of executives. You coach a lot of very successful people that, um, you know, maybe, maybe don't always feel like they need a coach, want a coach. I don't know how that all kind of plays in, but, but how do you, uh, teach humility? Do you teach humility as part of your kind of coaching? How do you, how do you do some of that? I, I don't teach humility. It's either there or not by the, the stage that I get to people in their forties and fifties. So, um, it's one of those skills that probably does need to be taught at home. Uh, most effectively, it's a topic that's again, intellectually stimulating and easy to read, but if you don't have it by the time you're 40, it's a tough one to, to actually go through the process of becoming humble and, and thereby, you know, learning it behaviorally. Uh, it's not something that we can just read and write about. I, I don't believe you either live it in your heart or you don't. Mm, yeah, no, it's interesting. And, and, and so if you find somebody, um, you know, struggling with that again maybe you can teach it but if you find somebody struggling with that or again you know so many of the leaders you know are type a driver personalities um you know whatever the personality profiles might show i don't know if you use personality profiles as part of that but is there a way to supplement that or maybe i'm looking for free coaching (laughs) (laughs) well you are reminding me of a story i had a client who was a a cfo at a company and he had someone that was not performing to his expectations he was getting the work done but he was being a jerk to his his peers and so uh, the guy said don can you work with this guy said oh gosh you know you know what's his problem he said well he's just an a-hole like I said, what? I said, can you be more specific than that? He said, no, he just really is one. Like I said, oh, great. So you want me to fix that? Like, I, I can't fix that. That's not something I work on. Anyway, I ended up meeting with the guy and he really wasn't interested in coaching. He could sense that his boss, this was his boss's idea. Yeah. And the first meeting, you know, was kind of cold and wasn't going anywhere. And um, eventually I started talking about teenagers because he talked about his oldest. And I said, you know, tell me about... Um, what's going on with your teenager? Because he'd pretty much denied that he was being an a-hole to anybody in the office. In fact, he thought that's what you had to do to get people to jump and get things done. And he looked at me and he just stared for a long time and he said, all right, let's get started. And what I, what it occurred to me is like, you know, humility hits us hard if we don't have it. Yes. Um, there's always times in life to become more humble. And I think life does, you know, just delivers that to us when we're maybe, you know, least expecting it. Uh, We started that coaching process because he realized that he was failing as a father of his oldest teenager. And he wanted to be better at that, maybe not be in in the office, but he figured that if he could learn maybe something that would help him be a better communicator and relate better to his daughter and connect with her, uh, that would be worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, I love that. You know, I mean, because I think that you know, probably like anything, right? I mean, you know, first step is you got to have a willing participant, right? I mean, you've got, I mean, somebody's got to get their head and maybe their heart around the desire to, to grow, uh, to, to, to change maybe to evolve. Right. I mean, and acknowledging that uh, there may be other ways or better ways out there, it's got to be a, a key first step. I, I would think you, you've probably in your time have coached some unwilling people like you know or or maybe reluctant (laughs) cautiously coming forward at the at the uh, encouragement of somebody else or whatever here so yeah i think even that guy asked you know what's the secret to coaching when does it work what you know and i said well the key thing is that you have to be really motivated to do it 
and I'm interviewing you just as you're interviewing me. And, you know, if you don't have a high level of motivation, I'm going to say, hey, let's not do this because it's not going to work. I, I have had a few cases where I have coached people that were less willing and it, and it doesn't work. I mean, I've been able to prove that case study. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's really good. Well, and, and that's a good segue, I think, into to, um, one of the key things that you're doing right now, or one of the things, key things, but one of the things you are doing to, to kind of give back to the Catholic Church, uh, your, your time and your talent and taking these skills that people pay you a bunch of money for and kind of gifting them back to the Catholic Church uh, is uh, Beacons of Light. And, and would you mind, you know, for our audience, let's call it a national or, or, or international audience that doesn't necessarily <laughs> know what, what Beacons of Light is here in the in the uh, Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Would you share a little bit about uh, Beacons of Light and maybe kind of what your involvement is with that? Wow. Big question. I'll try to keep it simple. You know, <laughs> overall, the, the, the Archdiocese of Cincinnati had used to have 211 parishes and had built a lot of uh, parish buildings based on having enough priests to run that many parishes. But over the last 20 years, the number of priests has dwindled and many are retiring. And so they don't have that any longer. So the intention was to try to reorganize the archdiocese into families instead of parishes. And the family would be a group of parishes that work together under one priest and a leadership team to drive that organization to be the best they can be for their parishioners. Um, easier said than done. You can't just draw up a map and say, okay, you three are now together and you four are together and that type of thing. But the intention was to try to help priests learn leadership and to be able to nurture and develop the spirituality of the people that are in their parish. Uh, one priest uh, said, my job is to help people get to heaven, uh, but I don't get to do that because I'm administratively burdened with all the, the committees and the activities that a, a priest has to have today to run one parish. How the heck do I do this with three? So uh, the, the whole job is to try to help these uh, priests that are willing to, to bring people to God, figure out how they do more of that and less administration. <laughs> wow. Yes. Well, that's, <laughs> that is a tall order, my friend, for sure, uh, to, to, to do that. So would you, would you mind sharing a little bit of kind of what that entails? And, and you're, again, you're taking these kind of secular talent skills, the thing you do in your day job, and now you've intersected that with giving that back to the church and gifting that back to the church. So share a little bit about that if you, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, that turns into some one-on-one -on -one coaching with priests and then some, perhaps uh, if they prefer it to meet with their groups that are they're trying to form into new teams to help them to figure out how to form these families. And uh, it's been enjoyable because there's such a strong desire uh, within the Catholic Church for sure to not just uh, have people go to uh, Mass on Sunday and uh, we've talked about evangelization for how many years, Steve, you've been a part of it too. And uh, I think what we're trying to, to help these groups of people see is that evangelization is all of our job. It's not just the priest. And that if we are forming a family, think about the, the root uh, definition of family. If we really want to be in family with other people that we don't really know from other parishes, we have to get out of our comfort zone and be willing to go meet them and be at their church and spend time with them and find out what's important to them and serve them if we need to. So there's a big change that needs to happen within uh, the parishioners, not just uh, our pastors, we need to find ways to help people see that the, the future of the church is this larger experience, which is uh, certainly evangelistic, but you know, certainly Eucharistic as well, that allows us to interact as a family would, not just somebody that belongs to a church. Mm. 
So good. Such a, such a, such a, um, a great opportunity, such an important opportunity, such a, frankly, just a case study of change management. I mean, just the, <laughs> the change that is happening here in the Catholic community within the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, know out of necessity right i mean what i would say is necessity what i think you say is necessity what not not everybody agrees with though is necessity uh because there's there's not uh just like anything right there's it's not like there's a hundred percent unity behind this a lot of a lot of change management that is happening in your kind of you know in in your way kind of with the the families that you're ministering to and the and the pastors that you're ministering to kind of a, a big part of that so Thanks for thanks for doing that. Thanks for your service because that is um, definitely the heart of service is to give back of that time and that talent to be able to do that. Thank you. You're welcome. That's good work. Yeah. Well, it is good, and you are uh, uh, uniquely gifted, uh, I think, for that. So I think the uh, the archdiocese to have somebody that has that uh, kind of ability and skill set is 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 fortunate from that standpoint. So let's talk a little bit about. Um, you and in, in 2022, as we are kind of rounding uh, third and, and heading for home this last quarter of 2022, kind of what's happening for you this quarter, and then what's on the horizon for 2023 for 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 you, for your uh, for your family, for your business, whatever's kind of on your heart here. Thanks. Uh, 22. I'm exploring this idea of how to help organizations discover <clears throat> a company purpose, not just a mission statement or a vision. And uh, working with Pam Beek of, of Sales Corps and trying to help yeah. um, uh, the, the customers that we have figure out what that means. Uh, our belief is that companies, uh, much like uh, Steve, you've looked at the conscious capitalism uh, group that are, are existing not just for profit, but existing to provide a way to make a difference in the community and to make the world a better place. Those companies have a higher level of performance. They have greater retention. They have greater profits. And they do make a difference in the community. And I think today, uh, young employees, for certain, want to find something that is a purpose-driven company, a company that isn't just existing to stay financially stable. And so we're, we're kind of exploring that. I actually had a major failure a year or so ago where I was trying to help individuals discover their purpose. And I tried to do it through online education. And I, maybe I just didn't understand how to do it, but I couldn't figure out how to uh, put it together uh, virtually during COVID and how to market it. And so I just basically threw it up and said, ah, I'm not doing this anymore <laughs> because of the good failure. Uh, but I didn't touch it till Pam said, I think we need to be doing this for businesses. I said, Oh, that's an interesting thought. So mm. we're experimenting. Uh, it's just an experiment at this point. And I'm looking forward to what happens from the experiment. Maybe we can find a, a methodology and a process to help the business discover their purpose, help the CEO align his or her purpose to that that mission and purpose for the organization, and then help the executive team do the same thing. And if we can align the whole executive team to that company purpose, which is larger than a mission, it's the reason why they exist. Yeah. Uh, I think we can make magnificent things happen in their cultural transformation because all businesses need to continually improve. So you, you, you've kind of beat me to the punch. I was going to ask, you know, I think, I think, I feel like so many companies over these last whatever number of years have gone through the mission, vision, value kind of, you know, uh, process. Um, but, but you feel like purpose is different, bigger than mission. What can you make a distinction between purpose and mission? Yeah. 
Yeah, when you think about uh, why do we exist, um, and if your your answer is that we exist to you know throw off profits or provide a return to our shareholders, it's so limiting. Uh, but if you play with the the question why do we exist for betterment in the world, um, then it pushes you outside of your comfort zone to say how do we actually make a difference in our community, in our employees' lives, in our customers' lives. And purpose will define more clearly how they specifically, that particular business can do that. Um, mission often is the how-to of how do you uh, act on the, the purpose of the organization. Mm. And if purpose is not clearly defined, uh, it can lead the company off into uh, an incessant desire to be what bigger, <laughs> more revenue, more profitable, bigger, more revenue, more, it's just that cycle where we're always kind of chasing growth, 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 growth. We would say growth has a consequence and growth can also have a purpose. And I love that. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm, I'm sitting here kind of reflecting on, uh, so pays, uh, we've got a purpose statement. Can I, can I get some free coaching from, oh. I'm going to lay it on you and, no, and please do. Be, but be nice to me, please. So I, <laughs> so so our purpose is to serve others by investing our talents to drive growth, right? So that's the short kind of serve others by investing our talents to drive growth. That's our purpose, why we exist. And then I talk about five areas, right? So we we as a team, we talk about five areas. It's people. It's our people, our team, our our customers, uh, people, their 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 team members, and and the prospects that they're trying to serve. Uh, it's it's revenue and profit uh, because we're a for profit company, and most of our clients are for profit companies. So people, revenue, profit, community, and kingdom are the five things, right? So people, revenue, profit, community, and kingdom, and it's about growth in those areas. And so that's. Um, I don't know. How, how do you give me your, give me your knee jerk reaction uh, to that? <laughs> well, I'm not going to grade your purpose statement. And <laughs> I think the way for you to grade you it an A plus. I know you're looking for that. You want a gold star, don't you? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I think the way for you to evaluate the effectiveness of your purpose statement is to uh, do a little bit of investigation within the organization to ask your people, how does purpose show up in their work? And, uh, you know, without the statement being <laughs> pushed in front of them, but just yeah. to say, you know, how do you organically experience our purpose? Yeah. What's that look like? I think when we hear the stories, the anecdotal stories about how people do uh, infuse purpose into their work, then you know it's there. If yeah. it's not there in their story, then there's probably work to be done. So there's identification of purpose, Steve, as you know, and, and you guys have done a nice job of that. But then there's also execution of purpose, which yeah. I find much more difficult. Yeah. And uh, oftentimes, if, if we look in at a, you know, a pure executive team, you know, you've got the person in charge of sales who only does sales, and you've got the person in charge of marketing who does marketing, and the CFO, and et cetera, et cetera. They're all siloed, right? Because they're doing their thing. I would suggest that nine times out of 10 is an organization that's not being led by purpose because they're being led by their job description and their goal to achieve their bonus for that year. Yeah. And so, you know, when you look at that, and I know you felt that we both worked in organizations where it have been very, um, you know, financially driven, that's not a bad model for financial output, but if it's purpose driven, it's probably going to mean that the executive team has to work in a different way together across boundaries, across silos. We have to drop, I'm in charge of sales and I'm going to tell you what we need to do from a sales perspective. And we have to have deeper discussions about, hey, our purpose is X and I don't think we're living it as much as we could. Here's an idea that I have that goes across the organization, not just through sales. 
Yeah, no, that's great. I love it. Thanks for for sharing that. Thanks for letting me share ours. And and I, I love the, the the work and the heart, right? I mean, it's really, you know, it gets to kind of the heart uh, to me um, of, of why do we exist? Hopefully something, you know, bigger than, like you said, just purely uh, revenue and profit here. So that's great. Well, thanks for, uh, for sharing that and good luck as you, as you, uh, do that. Um, so, so Don, we, uh, one thing I don't have with me is my dice, uh, my, my typical dice where we roll the dice. So I'm going to ask you, uh, to, um, pick a number, uh, between I'll, I'll say one and 10 and, and then I'm going to add uh, to it, and that's going to be uh, our roll the dice number of the question I'm going to lay on you here. So pick a number between one and 10. Four. Number four. I'm adding two to it, so that gets us to six. So uh, number six, a question is, we'd love to pray for you. Uh, mm-hmm. Give us the biggest challenge that you or a loved one is facing right now that we can pray for. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, at the end of our liaisons meeting yesterday, we did the same thing. We broke into groups of three and we actually placed our hands on each other and prayed, which is really powerful. Um, many people I'm finding it are similar to our family situation where one of our children, uh, is challenged with mental health. And, um, and I think substance abuse goes along with that. And it's a difficult scenario for us because they're an adult child and we can't tell them what to do. And, uh, we want to love them and, but at the same time, we want to hold them accountable for, you know, getting better and framing that out. But, you know, mental health is just such a difficult issue for so many families today uh, because there's a lot of uh, nuances to it that aren't like other things. You know, some people would say, hey, you just should throw that adult child out of your house. And we're like, that just doesn't feel right to us at this mm-hmm. time. Um, certainly trying to have more dialogue and helping them hold themselves accountable seems to be true, but even that's difficult to do. So we're trying to, to love and, and be of service and encourage and be patient and uh, pray, pray, pray um, for that child and, and for all the children that we know that are suffering from, from mental health issues. So mm. that would be the one for me that would be the most important. All right, brother, you got it. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a shot. This is not my uh, greatest gift by any stretch of imagination. So I'm going to, I'm going to apologize up front, uh, for, for any clunkiness in the prayer, but I, I will give it a shot here. So dear heavenly father, thanks for just bringing Don and I together. It's so great to be in, uh, together in community, uh, virtual community or on the couch. And, and we just are, I, I'm just uh, so incredibly grateful for that. And so wanted to reach out to you uh, this morning, father, to, just pray uh, for Don and for Don's family uh, as they are touched, like so many of us, including the King family, with uh, just challenges associated with mental health and well-being and substance abuse and all the other kind of ancillary things that come as a result of that. Uh, there's probably very few families in the world that aren't touched uh, by this and the fact that it's now come uh, out uh, to to the light a little bit more. I think it's just an incredible blessing for all of us. And Father, we just ask that you just help to heal um, all of us, uh, all of our families, all of us afflicted with any of the challenges associated with mental health and that you give um, those of us that are supportive of those family members, the strength, the courage, the um, frankly, the realization of the challenges and the struggles that go on with that. Give us the patience that is needed at times to deal with this. Give us the heart uh, to, to be the right kind of support for them and just the courage to um, just help one another uh, as we go through this. And in your name, we pray. Amen. Amen. That's beautiful. Well, 
we are uh, with you uh, on that, I would say. And uh, we we have experienced that as, uh, as I said, most families I think have. So thanks for, for sharing that for sure. So, all right, brother. Well, look, if, uh, uh, if people want to get hold of you, uh, my friend, and, and they want to connect, what's the best way to do that? I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is a good tool for that. Uh, also, I have a website, donferricks.com. And um, if, I, if they'd like to call me, heck, I'd give my phone number out, but I'm not sure anybody makes phone calls on phones anymore. Ah, we do. The people at your service team does, Yay. for sure, maybe much to the chagrin of press, but, but we, we make phone calls. So uh, give it out. I mean, yeah. if, you're, if you're so inclined, give it out. So Absolutely. Phone number 513-260-7637. Awesome. That's great. Well, we will, as I mentioned to you, we, we have a, a marketing, uh, Cracker Jack Marketing Associate, uh, uh, Taylor, that will kind of put that in show notes and make that available to, to people and, and uh, so grateful for uh, you uh, joining on the first ever virtual grandma's comfy couch podcast here. We, we may have to pivot this where, you know, the guest has got to be on a couch and I'll be on a couch and we'll kind of do it that way here. But uh, uh, man, thanks uh, for, uh, for your participation. Thanks for your um, uh, leadership, your friendship, and, and for just being a terrific uh, person of service. Donna, well, really thank you for grateful. being a leader of, uh, of people that want to be at service and, I appreciate the comfy couch. It's been comfy for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, thanks. We'll we'll hit uh, stop or pause on the recording. Is that possible here? So, yes. yeah.